0: You're listening to Our Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhalayn and al hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhalayn.org slash support. So now we move on to the next discussion. Basically, We're still examining the events after Khaybar. So the Prophet made an agreement with the Jews of Khaybar that either half um, of of Khaybar or some other figures have been coded, we've examined them before, that an amount of the produce of Khaybar from the farmlands of Khaybar would be given to the Muslims. So the Prophet sometimes would send companions to go to Khaybar and to assess how much that is and to bring it to Medina. Once, Abdullah ibn Sahl, one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, was appointed by the Prophet to transfer the proceeds of Khaybar to Medina. So he, le- he-, he left to Khaybar with one of his cousins, Muhaisa ibn Mas'ud, and each went to a different part of the farm when they got there. While he was performing his duty, Abdullah ibn Sahl was attacked by an, und- by an unidentified group of Jews. So he was mysteriously attacked. Now as a result of this attack, his-, his neck was injured. He fell to the ground with a broken neck and his body was thrown into a ayn, like a spring of water or a pool. Now his cousin Muhaysa, he saw his dead body. He came across his dead body but he had no clue how, you know, Abdullah ibn Sahl was killed. Now the, according to one version, the elders of the Jews, they sent some people to the Prophet ﷺ to inform him of the mysterious death of his representative, you know, Abdullah ibn Sahl. Now the brother of Abdullah ibn Sahl, his name was Abdul Rahman ibn Sahl, he came to the Prophet along with his cousins and he also confirmed to the Prophet this incident that, you know, my brother, my brother Abdullah has been killed. Now, Abdul Rahman wanted to initiate this conversation with the Prophet, but he was the youngest amongst the three, amongst those present. So he was there and two of his cousins, but his cousins were older than him. So the Prophet told told Rahman, let the elders speak. This is a beautiful Islamic Um, you know, uh, it's, it's part of the akhlaq of Islam, the etiquette and the mannerism of Islam, is that when you're in a group, show respect to the elders, let them speak first, let them go first. Because the elders have a right over us. They have more experience than us. And so we treat them with respect for their age. So the Prophet basically tells him, let the elders speak. And in any case, They tell him that, you know, um, Abdullah ibn Sal has been killed in Khaybar, in Jewish territory and we know that the Jews killed him. So we want you to take action. The Prophet said to them, if you can identify the murderer of Abdullah, can you tell me who exactly killed him? And you swear, you take an oath 50 times, that he is the murderer, then yes, I shall arrest him and the appropriate, you know, um, the appropriate legal punishment will be administered. But because, you know, they were pious, they did not want to blame anyone, they did not know who killed Abdullah ibn Sahih, but they knew that one of the Jews killed him. So they told him basically, Ya Rasulallah, we don't know who killed him. We cannot identify the killer for you. So the Prophet told them, okay, how about this? To resolve this matter, we'll ask the Jews to make an oath that they did not kill him. And we'll resolve the matter. If they take an oath, case closed. They said, Ya Rasulullah, we don't trust the Jews. Of course they're going to lie. We know that they've killed him. They've killed our brother and our cousin. And if you tell them to make an oath that they didn't kill him, they'll make a false oath. So it's not really going to solve anything. So now the Prophet is now in a dilemma. The Prophet, according to some narrations, does confront the Jews. He tells them, look, a Muslim man died in your territory and he died mysteriously. Who's responsible for this? They swore, they told him, oh, you know, uh, Muhammad, we swear in God's name that we did not kill him. So they try to absolve themselves from this murder. But at the same time, the family of Abdullah ibn Sa'h they're demanding action. What do you do in that case? So I'm asking this question to you. Imagine if you are in this situation where you know that the perpetrators committed the crime, but you don't have any evidence, like you can't bring the evidence in court. And the perpetrators are swearing in God's name that they didn't commit the crime. On the other hand, the family of the one who's killed are pressuring you. They tell you, no, we know he has been killed by someone there. And we can't let his blood just go to waste. Either you punish them or they give us the blood money, the dia, right? If someone is killed, either they are punished, capital punishment is administered, or at least the blood money is paid. The Jews were not willing to do any of that because they were not uh, willing to admit that they killed him. What would you do if you were in the in the position of the Prophet If you punish the Jews, you're going to spark maybe another war with them. You don't want to be violent with them. If you don't take any action, your own people will rise against you. What do you do in this case? Any ideas? Is there a creative way to solve this uh, dilemma? If any, if anything comes to your mind, you feel free to share it. Maybe uh, if I had money, I would pay dia. Exactly, and that's exactly what the Prophet did. The Prophet sallallahu He did not want to renew any bloodshed with the Jews. Remember, they just finished Khaybar. and the Prophet is a man of peace. He doesn't want to start another skirmish or fight or battle with the Jews. He really wants to show that he is a man of peace and he tries to avoid violence as much as possible. So the Prophet was not interested in fighting the Jews, especially when they denied it. And there is no evidence that you can show in court, right? Now, if you have evidence, you can hold them liable but there was no such evidence. Yes, Jibra'il can inform the Prophet but the Jews are not going to accept it. You actually need like evidence in court. So the Prophet did not want to fight with with the Jews, but at the same time he has to satisfy the family of Abdullah bin Sa'ah. So the Prophet told them, look, let's please resolve this issue. I will give the diyah. I will give the diyah. And the diyah was 100 camels. That's a lot of money. That's a thousand dinars, a thousand golden coins. You can buy a sheep with one golden coin at the time. Can you imagine this money? I mean, I don't know in today's value how much that is. How much is a camel these days? $2,000, $3,000? We're looking at maybe a quarter to a million dollars, a quarter of a million dollars, maybe half a million dollars. The Prophet said, I'll pay it. It's okay. I just want peace in my community. And so through this generous act, the Prophet showed the Jews that he was not a warmonger, he was a man of peace. And even though they were responsible because he mysteriously died in their land, and, you know, it was pretty obvious they were behind it. But the Prophet wanted to show them that he's truly a man of peace. And at the same time, and at the same time, the Prophet sallallahu wanted to comfort the family of Abdullah ibn Serh and and to make them feel that his his blood did not just go in vain, they'll be at least compensated with the diya. So the Prophet ﷺ gives them the diya, and that's how he basically puts an end to this dilemma. And the beautiful lesson we learned from the Prophet ﷺ in this scenario is that we must always find prob- we must always find creative ways to avoid problems and fights. My dear brothers and sisters, this is one of the best deeds in the eyes of Allah. If you see two fellow brothers fighting in the community, two cousins fighting, two spouses fighting, try to play a positive role, even if it means you pay something, you do something. Even if if it means you resolve their problem by giving from your own. That is one of the best forms of ibadah. There are two brothers, they, they have an argument over an amount of loan. The amount is 1,000, the other says 2,000. And they're not able to resolve it. Do you really want to worship Allah? A ibadah that's maybe more valuable than praying Salat layl Not to underestimate Salat layl It's an honor to pray Salat layl But do you really want the best ibadah? Go to them and tell them, look, come. Let's come together. Let's try to solve this. If they not agree, tell them, I'll give the 1,000. But just please be brothers. I want to bring reconciliation. If you do that, this is the best ibadah you can give for your Akhirah. It is these acts that will save us in the grave. And they will save us on the day of judgment. And this is the legacy of the Prophet. Giving a hundred camels was a big amount of money. And remember, the Prophet, at this time, he has a lot of obligations. There's a lot of financial pressure on him. But the Prophet wants to avoid fitna. I don't want fitna. In my community. As much as I can, I will ward off the fitna. And we as believers, our priority is to stop fitness in our community. Unfortunately, some people do the opposite. In the name of religion, they spread the fitna. The Prophet's legacy was to stop the fitna, bury the fitna, even if you have to pay money, even you have to spend time, spend energy. Doing so is the best act of ibadah.